Welcome to Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm with your host, Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hey, welcome to a new episode of the Legal Toolkit here on Legal Talk Network. If you were looking for the Winter Soldier, I think he's still hanging out in Wakanda, maybe. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you will become a long-time listener. On my 117th episode, I'll say that better. And if you're Kristen Shepard, why did you have to go and shoot JR? As always, I'm your host, Jared Correa. And in addition to casting this pod, I am the founder and CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, which offers subscription-based law practice management consulting and technology services for law firms and bar associations. Check us out at redcavelegal.com to learn more. That's R-E-D-C-A-V-E-L-E-G-A-L.com. You can also listen to my other, other podcast, The Lobby List a family travel podcast I host with my wife, Jessica, on iTunes. Rate us and comment. And yes, before you ask, I do have a family that puts up with me. Thank you very much. But here on the Legal Toolkit, we provide you each month with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. In this episode, we're going to tell you how to put your law firm on autopilot. But before I introduce today's guests, let me take a moment to thank our sponsors. First, Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering services provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-1 or online at www.answerone.com. That's www.answer1.com. Scorpion crushes the standard for law firm online marketing with proven campaign strategies to get attorneys better cases from the internet. Partner with Scorpion to get an award-winning website and ROI-positive marketing programs today. Visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. Finally, we would like to thank our sponsor, Thomson Reuters Firm Central, cloud-based legal practice management that streamlines your day and automates non-billable administrative tasks so you can accomplish more with less. Hey, how about that? Automation. We're going to talk a little bit about that today as well. So let me introduce my guest today, who is none other than Ernie the Attorney, whose given name is Ernest Svensson. Ernie is, wait for it, you may have guessed, an attorney. And Ernie helps other small firm lawyers to leverage technology to boost profits, cut overhead, and outmatch big firm lawyers. I like this already. In 2016, after Hurricane Katrina struck New Orleans, where he lives, Ernie gave up his partnership at a 50-attorney law firm to open a paperless solo law practice. Since then, he's become something of a paperless guru. If you go to his website, you'll be able to see him wearing very comfortable-looking Hawaiian shirts, making you feel very jealous and generally looking like a pimp. <laughs> Ernie, Ernie the attorney, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Jared. It's great to be here. It's great to talk with you as always. Yes, this is always fun. We should do this like on a weekly basis, but totally. our schedules don't allow. So let me jump right into it. I got some questions for you. We're talking about how law firms can set their practices to autopilot. So can you tell me what that means to you? Is this like a Ron Popeil, set it and forget it type of thing, or is this something different? Well, I mean, autopilot I use as a metaphor, but metaphors are powerful tools to help people quickly understand something. And to me, I think what autopilot means is you, the lawyer, you, this busy, smart lawyer who's trying to manage your practice, set things up so that you do only the things that you are really good at, number two, that you really love doing. 
So you do that by deciding, you know, what you're good at, which requires a law license, and then which things that require a law license that you're good at but don't want to do. And then you create a plan to automate or delegate everything else. That's what I'm talking about. I love that. That sounds good. Not doing stuff. I think people yeah. are into that. So I talk about this a lot as well, and I like how you focus on it. Like, I think it's very hard for small business persons, lawyers included, to set goals. And it's hard to achieve goals if you don't set them. And you just talked about that, like making some decisions at the outset. So how do you help people to make those decisions that will lead them to achieving goals, such as putting your law firm on autopilot? Well, I've learned over the years, different approaches, you know, mostly a lot of things that didn't work or didn't work as well as I thought they were going to work. And now what I do is I have an online course and I have a membership site and I work with lawyers on an ongoing basis because that's really what's required. You know, number one, you have to get them to focus on, well, what do I want my practice to look like? And part of that question involves, well, what do I want my life to look like? I mean, you know, if I, if I like working five days a week, that's great. You know, that's one kind of practice. If I like working only four days a week and a certain number of hours, you know, it's just, it's like medicine, you know? I mean, if you want to be a doctor who only works nine to five, then picking obstetrics is probably not a good option. And so you have to think about things like that, which sounds kind of obvious, but I think what happens is you just, you know, get on the freeway of life and the freeway of law practice and you forget that there were some on-ramps that you could have picked which freeway you would be on. And you need to think about what do you want your practice to be like? And so we start with that. And then if, you know, people say, okay, well, this is what I want my practice to be like. You know, I'm doing the right kind of thing. I've got the practice area dialed in. Yeah. But then it's a question of what kind of operations, you know, need to happen. What kind of systems need to be in place? What kind of marketing needs to happen? And all of those things are big thorny questions that, involve technology to a large extent. And technology, of course, is always changing. And so you kind of have to focus on the big picture things. And then I try to help them with those things that are changing or, you know, that don't require them to sort it all out. Because there's a lot of information out there, but, you know, if you have to comb through it all yourself, then, you know, good luck. I tried the open heart surgery thing for a while. It did not Mm -hmm. go well. No. Um, But that was beautiful. Like the freeway of life. I really liked what you were saying there. (laughs) So the accountability is an important thing. And then like, if if they can get an idea of what they want to do, you can help them at the margins and kind of help them to navigate the changes. Because that's a big thing too, like change management in law firms. Law firms mm-hmm. have a hard time moving from one thing to another. And do you find that that's like a constant for the attorneys you work with, that they have a tough time getting around to change technology or otherwise? Yeah, I mean, but that's true of humans, okay? So the one big revelation for me, and it shouldn't have been because my father was a psychiatrist, psychoanalyst, is how much psychology affects everything. Like, you know, you can't just say, hey, everybody, here's a great idea. See how great it is? Let's all do it. (laughs) They're not going to do it. You know, they're busy. People have different, you know, they're paying attention in different ways. They're focused on different things. And so psychology is a big part of it. Like, what is going to keep you motivated? What message is going to resonate? And so you have to think about things at least I have discovered, I I was hoping this wasn't the case, but it is the case that you do have to think about things very deeply if you want to help people. You can't just, you know, to use a New Orleans metaphor, be like on a Mardi Gras float throwing beads off to people and they catch them, you know, the beads being information. Hey, here's some information, catch that. You can't do that. You know, and a lot of people do do that. And I used to do that. I used to think, oh, I'll just tell them a bunch of stuff I know that worked for me and that should work for them. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately that 
it doesn't work that way. You know, you have to figure out what people need to know and where are they right now and don't tell them 10 things, just tell them the next thing that they need to know that they can focus on, help them with that because they've got a full-time practice. They're not as excited about technology as everyone else is, (laughs) which is probably good for them. Yes. Whenever people throw me information beads, I just make sure that I keep my shirt on. Try to keep it in check. (laughs) You're a prude. (laughs) So that's a good point you make, I think, as well, about like people not being as excited about technology who don't live in this world like we do. And then the other thing is like not overwhelming people. So, I mean, if you're going to throw like 15 different things at people, they're not going to do any of it. (laughs) But if you throw three things at people, they might do one thing which is better than no things. So that's part of the problem I think as well, I'm sure is like trying to effectuate this accountability. Like what strategies do you use to try to make sure that law firms hold themselves accountable to what they want to do? And then what strategies could lawyers try to use on their own to try to make sure they stay on track? Well, I think first off, if you're going to help people, you need to help them create a plan that they can work from. And this is not super hard, but it does need to be done. Otherwise, you're just standing out there waiting for the information beads to fly off the floats. (laughs) So, you, you know, you say to them, look, here is a process for taking advantage of all these technologies that we think are beneficial to you. Okay, so in some lawyers, it's like, well, if you've got this kind of practice, well, then these technologies probably don't, don't matter. So right off the bat, let's just focus on the things that you care about. And then let's talk about which ones of those should be implemented first, because one way to do it is just say, oh, well, let's go for the low-hanging fruit. People love that. But the low-hanging fruit might not be a long-term beneficial thing, right? It might be, yeah, yeah, okay, fine, it's a quick win, but a quick win isn't necessarily going to get you to that goal of you only doing the things you love and having other people do everything else. That doesn't happen by accident. You have to think about that and move towards that very intentionally. So there should be a process, like we're going to do this first. Like one example would be, if you want to automate a lot of things in your practice, then having a lot of paper is probably not a good idea. You need to get rid of the paper and make it digital and develop digital workflows because that sets up the automation that can happen with digital stuff, right? Absolutely. I think that's a good point you made too about practice area specific things as well, because not everything is going to work for practice A that works for practice B. So it's Mm -hmm. good to have a wide view of this kind of thing. So look up in the air, everyone. You may see some information bees coming down upon (laughs) you. So collect those. We're going to take a quick break so I can tell you what you need to buy and we'll come right back. Do you feel like your marketing efforts aren't getting you the high value cases your firm deserves? For over 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours to attract new cases and to grow their practices. As a Google Premier Partner and winner of Google's Platform Innovator Award, Scorpion has the right resources and technology to aggressively market your law firm and to generate better cases from the internet. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast today. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter AnswerOne Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. AnswerOne's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. AnswerOne helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call yourself at 800-ANSWER-ONE or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. Hey, thanks for coming back. I'm still here. 
and Ernie Svensson is still with me. He's talking all about setting up your law firm to succeed. So Ernie, we're talking about this concept of putting your law firm on autopilot, which I know is appealing to a lot of people. That obviously necessitates some administrative changes. So how is it that law firms can revamp their existing systems to better align with their goals, whether those are existing goals that they have or new goals that they're creating? Well, the key word is systems, right? So, and this again is one of those things that we can toss out there and say, oh, well, you should have systems. There's an information bead for you. (laughs) But lawyers will say, well, what does that mean to have a system? And how would I go about creating a system? And so the first thing I would say that folks should do is go watch the movie, The Founder with, it's about Ray Kroc, the fellow that created McDonald's. Awesome movie, awesome movie. Yeah, because it's all about how those folks who created McDonald's that he bought the company from had created systems for cooking burgers and selling them in a way that was super efficient for them and gave a lower price to the customer and all the benefits that flowed from that, which now in the franchise world, we take for granted. Like, oh, of course, you're going to have systems for this. In the law world, we don't take that for granted because we haven't really thought of it as something that could be systematized. We think of it as very bespoke or, you know, tailored and that, you know, we just have to do it all one off each time, but that's not true. There are things you're doing all day long in a law firm that are repetitive. You know, they're fairly similar to something you've done before. And the question is, if you take somebody new and plug that person in, and let's say they have a law degree, but they're new, do you have to show them how to do everything? Or can you just give them the manual and say, look, most of the information is in here, follow the recipe that we've laid out. And if you have questions, let us know. Or if you see something that needs to be updated, update the workbook. I feel like I might be your adopted brother because like I just wrote like a really long article about the founder and how it's really good for lawyers to watch that movie because Mm -hmm. of the systems. So first of all, you're clearly a very bright man. Secondly, (laughs) um, it's so true. Like lawyers have a distaste for this type of thing because they think it's somehow ugly or cheesy to implement systems, but it saves so much time. So let's talk a little bit about a piece of a system that could be implemented. So I Mm -hmm. wanna talk a little bit about automation of processes. Mm -hmm. So one thing is creating the system, potentially creating workflows, but lawyers also hesitate to automate processes. Mm -hmm. And they could automate all kinds of processes, including like document automation, which is an obvious example. So my two questions for you are, why do lawyers hesitate to automate processes in the first place? And then secondly, in the spirit of like trying to do one or two or three things first, if you're looking at automating things within your law firm, what's the first thing you should do? Well, again, I think that lawyers, you know, I used to say that lawyers are hesitant, but it, the truth of more so than other people, but that's not true. I think everyone who is doing something, once you get in the groove of doing it, it becomes very hard to step outside of that groove and say, okay, well, now let me show somebody else how to do it. I mean, if you could just clone yourself, it'd be great. You know, here, there's a robot of me who knows everything (laughs) I know, and now just go do everything that I don't like doing, but that's not possible. So what's the next best thing is you have to methodically train somebody or some people to do those things yourself. So that means that you're going to have to not only do the thing, But then also stop and think as you're doing it, well, okay, let me record this or let me take some notes while I'm doing it. And then that will be the basis for me starting to create the system. Because the other option is, well, I'll just write down what I think I used to, you know, what I did two days ago when I did this. And the reality is you're not going to remember all the things you did and it's not going to be as thoughtful. So you have to break into a new pattern of saying, 
number one, I'm noticing this is a thing I've done before. Okay, let me record it or pay attention to it and write down some notes as I'm doing it. And then you could turn that those notes over to somebody else and say, here are my rough notes, take them and you know flesh them out. Or you could dictate into a microphone and record it and give it to them. You don't have to write all the stuff extensively, but you do have to start the process of creating a system. So basically, you have to create a system for creating systems. And that's the hardest part is because you're not yeah. used to doing that. And, you know, and also I think a lot of perfectionism kicks in besides, I mean, lawyers are yeah. busy. That's one thing. Then they're unclear about, well, well how do I start? Mm-hmm. Well, I've just described roughly how that is. And then the other one is, oh, but it has to be perfect. Because if you tell them, and this is what I mean by too many, you know, information bees, if somebody throws out and says, and you know, you should put this online. And they go, oh, okay, so then online is where I need to go. So now you go, where am I going to put it online? <laughs> Google Docs or Sweet Process? And then it breaks down because they don't know how to use those tools. So the solution is write it down with a paper and pencil. You're familiar yes. with that. Keep it simple. You know, don't make the early stages of anything involve too much technology because it'll be too hard to do and it'll trip people up. So that's that's one thing I've discovered. And then, you know, your question about what should you start with? Well, there's two ways to approach it. One is to say, what's the most valuable thing to the firm? Let's go automate that. Or the other solution is, you know, is well, what's a thing that we can automate that will help us learn how to automate other things that isn't too big and thorny? So, you know, some people might be able to attack the big one, or some people might might have one that's both. I think, you know, the thing to do is before you automate, you should systematize. And the first thing that I think every law firm should systematize is client onboarding and client, you know, when the case is over, what do you do when the case is over? And there's a lot of things that lawyers aren't doing in those places that they could be doing that involve automation. Like one is collecting feedback, which can be turned into testimonials if the feedback is good. Mm -hmm. That's something that can be totally automated and first of all, you should be collecting the feedback and that, you know, that can be done easily. But most lawyers aren't doing it because they don't know how. And that has to be set up in advance. And that's a thing you do when the case is over, when the client is at their peak moment of happiness. Yep. So there's, you know, things like that. That's pretty good. I like the psychological approach you take to this kind of stuff. So one thing I'd be interested in drawing out a little bit more is like this idea of inertia that you brought up. Like to me, it doesn't sound like you think hesitation is the issues for lawyers so much as they've always done it that way. And like, if there's specific ways that you try to break that cycle within law firms? Well, yes. I mean, when you say with law firms, with people in law firms. So everything has <laughs> yes. to be done on a one-to-one basis. So like I learned this lesson when I discovered the Eureka. Oh my God, paperless is great. I shall just tell my fellow lawyers about it and they shall adopt this. And that wasn't <laughs> real. That didn't happen. And what I discovered was, and this became my advice to people who would come to me and say, oh, we really want to be paperless. We're going to do this in our firm. Tell us how to proceed. And they'd usually start telling me about some people who were reluctant to adopt it. And I'd say, well, forget them. Pick two people or one or two, a small group of people that are interested in doing this. Build it out with them. When they're smiling and walking around the office, you know, whistling, the other people say, well, why? Is it because it's so easy? Let let those other people, let the success stories convince the laggards. You know, if you try yeah. to convince everyone yeah. at once, you're destined to have, you know, misery or failure or both. Mm-hmm. I like this uh, hypothetical law firm where people are like, Dolores, she's always whistling about being paperless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So the last thing I want to talk about in this segment of the podcast is like, so the purpose of automation, which is great, but it's not to create more work for yourself. 
Because you touched right. upon this a little bit, but I think we should draw this out also. Like, mm-hmm. how is it that law firms can better delegate work even as they're automating what they're doing so that the lawyers can focus more on doing lawyerly things that are high value to clients? First of all, let's be real. I don't care how good you are at technology, you know, if you are good at it, you're going to need help implementing technology in your firm because there's just too much of it out there. It's changing too much and you can't keep up with it all. And you and I know this because we were the people who, you know, knew a lot about technology 10 or 20 years ago and it was easier to keep up with and there weren't as many people who knew about it in the legal tech world. But we know that when, you know, I know when I have a problem about like practice management software, somebody says, Ernie, hey, what's the best practice management software? I say, I do not know. I knew when I picked the stuff that I needed to pick because there was a lot fewer options then and I picked and that was it. But to recommend to somebody, I'm not, I don't have my finger on the pulse of all those options of which there are hundreds or at least over a hundred. You are that person. So I tell them, go talk to Jared. You know, Jared is one of those folks who spent a lot of time learning that and has, and has kept up with it. And he oh, doesn't represent you. a particular company. So mm-hmm. you got to find the right people to help you do all this stuff. So you should delegate the task of figuring out the technology and implementing it to other legal technology people who are, you know, who have the five qualities that, you know, that I think every legal technology consultant should have. One, they should know about that particular area. They should be knowledgeable too. They should be reliable and you can count on them, you know, to fix things or stay up or to, you know, do good jobs consistently. They should be professional, not, you know, your brother-in-law or some amateur. (laughs) Um, And, you know, there's amateurs out there. There's people we know who have a blog and are great at dispensing information beads. And that's great, you know, if that's what you want, but they're not going to be good with strategy because they haven't helped people in an in-depth way, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's another, you know, criteria, trustworthy. Are they somebody that's going to recommend something that's best for you, even if it's not in their best interest? Because those are the ones you want. Okay, so now you you add those, with those four, you're down to very few people that I know in the legal tech world. And then you throw in, you know, articulate, able to explain and give you a roadmap and say, you know, here's the system and, you know, here's a process and not just throw you information beads. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot of people in the tech world in general that have all those criteria, but, you know, there's definitely very few yeah. in the legal tech world, but they're there, you know, and we know yep. who they are. And, you know, of course we don't talk about who the bad guys are or whatever, but there are people that are just not going to help you, you know, either out yeah. of, either out of just they're too self-interested or else they're, you know, beneficent, but clueless. <laughs> I like that. Okay, so we're gonna take a quick break. I'm gonna go find my flip phone. You listen to some more words from our sponsors. Firm Central cloud-based legal practice management software for solo and small firms provides a single online location for all of the tools you need to manage client files and perform client work and offers unrivaled integration with Westlaw. With Firm Central, you can securely store and organize documents and case files, manage time tracking and billables, and collaborate with clients through a secure client portal from anywhere there is an internet connection. Thanks for coming back, everybody. How are your M&Ms? Now I'm talking about like the real deal M&Ms, not one of these whack new flavors they're coming out with like nacho cheese. So let's reboot our conversation with Ernie Svensson, who's talking to me about your law firm on autopilot. So we talked about automation, Ernie, and how that could potentially extend to a number of areas in a law firm. And you addressed this as well. Like, this is the first place you want law firms to automate, marketing automation. 
So how specifically do you advise law firms, like some of the ways for them to better automate their marketing practices? Well, again, so here's the process that I would break things out into. Number one, start with the stuff that's easiest and also coincidentally the most powerful. So if you need to get more clients, then the most powerful way to easily get good clients is referral marketing, meaning someone out there trusts you or there are people out there that know you, like you, and trust you, you know, starting with your family and your friends and then other lawyers. And you just have to have a system for getting those people to give you referrals. And the following is not a system saying, oh, well, they know me, like me, and trust me, I guess they'll send me business. There's no system there. <laughs> On the other hand, saying, well, I, they need to be reminded regularly that I exist and then what kind of practice specifically I have because they might just think of me as a lawyer in general and I don't do everything, I do only some things. So I have to remind them specifically what kind of cases do I want, I have to do this regularly, and I have to do it in a non-cheesy, you know, reasonable way. So there's a process for that. And, you know, you can have lunch with people, you can call them on the phone, you can touch base with them in various ways. But the one that you can be automated is you can send them a monthly newsletter, quote unquote. But if I use the word newsletter, here's the psychology. Then people go, oh, well, the newsletter I have to design and it's very complicated. No, <laughs> newsletter is just a term, okay? You're not going to design it. You're going to send an email once a month you're going to call it a newsletter and you're going to tell them it's a newsletter. But really, it's just like an email from you to that person with their first name. You know, hey, Tom, you know, you asked me to give you some updated information. Here's some in updated information. And you could start off with, you know, let me just tell you what's been going on in my family. And you go, why would you do that in a newsletter? Right, because it's not exactly a formal newsletter. It's like you're replicating the experience that you would have with this person if you sat down over coffee. And the first thing you're going to do is you know, plow into, you know, what you do. It's going to be about, well, how is your family? How's my family? Okay, so you yes. have this conversation, yeah. but you have to remind people that you exist because if you don't, they forget. But sending them an email individually, if let's say it's 10 people even, you know, that's hard, but it's not if you upload those names into MailChimp, which is free, mm -hmm. and then just once a month, you know, hey, first name, and it inserts the first name, and they get an email. It feels like it's an email from you that you wrote to them specifically, which you didn't. You know, you wrote it specifically to 10 people, <laughs> but yep. you wrote it in such a way that, you know, it's just casual and conversational, and it reminds them that, you know, you're out there and what kind of work you want. And that works really well. Like, I have a friend who, when I told him I was going to start doing email marketing and, you know, get an email, because that's a lot of waste of time. That seems expensive. I said, no, apparently is like the key to effective marketing and you should do it. And he said, oh, I'm not going to do it. And I said, well, all you have to do is take those blog posts you're writing and just put some in there and do it once a month. So he started doing it. And then we had lunch one day and I said, so how's it going? He goes, it's amazing. I got, I got like calls right after I sent the emails. And every time we have lunch now, and this has been going on for years, I'll just say, hey, so how did it, how's that work? And he goes, you know, you're beating me down. It's still working. Every time I send the emails out, I get business. So that's the easy, low-hanging, powerful fruit. It's more powerful than trying to do online marketing to people that don't know you because to build up trust with those people so that you get good clients is hard. Yeah. It can be done and it can be yeah. automated, but you know, you need to do it the right way and most people don't. Absolutely. That's great. Okay. Two quick questions because we're getting near the end here. What's your best online marketing tip and what's your best offline marketing tip? My best online marketing tip is to, if you have a website, well, I gave the best one if you don't have a website, which is referral <laughs> marketing. Yeah. If you have a website, then you should offer the people that come to your website 
something of value so that they give you their email address and then you follow up with a series of emails, all of which can be automated, again, through MailChimp, free of charge, where you nurture them and explain what you do in greater detail in a way that's conversational down to earth and not cheesy, awkward, or pushy. And those people will convert. The people that didn't call you automatically will say, oh, you have the five keys to starting a new business if you're a business lawyer. Well, gee, I want to know what those are. I shall give you my email address and you will give me this one page PDF that you paid a designer $25 to, to fancy up. And then you've got their email address and then you follow up, you know, if you can write those emails yourself, if you can't, you know, hire somebody to do it for you. That's the goal right there. That's the way to do it. it took me a long time mm-hmm. to figure it out. But when I got there, I found out, you know, a lot of other people know that this is the way to do it too. So that's yeah. online and offline, you know, referral marketing is what I said earlier. Just go yeah. take people to lunch, yep. meet them, yep. talk to them. I like fancy up. Like, I hope people can follow along with the technical terminology we're throwing around in the show today. I should have um, used gussy up. Oh, gussy up would have been so much better. All right. So now it's time for the fun question. Like I got a New Orleans question for you where you live. Who are the five most famous people you've ever met there? Like not including Harry Anderson. Who recently passed away. Unfortunately, yes. I don't know if you knew that. Yes. And he lived in New Orleans for a while, but he moved to like Tennessee or something. Right? He moved to Asheville, North Carolina yeah. after Katrina. Yeah. But I did meet him, but I also met, I stood behind Drew Brees when he was visiting his vet. Oh. <laughs> so that counts, I guess, as meeting him. Um, that totally I, I didn't counts. want to bother him. I just, you know, his vet was sick, so I didn't want to bother him. I met Wynton Marcellus when I was young, a DJ at Tulane radio station. Nice. I'm, I worked at Commander's Palace, the restaurant, when Paul Prudhomme had his last week there, the famous mm. chef. Yep. He was leaving to start K. Paul. He had a big scepter that he used, and he bonked me <laughs> in the head on it with when I grabbed the plate before it was ready. So that counts as meeting. And then I stood behind David Byrne of the Talking Heads fame at a music club. I didn't bother him, but I considered nice. that meeting him because I didn't yes. bother him. Yes. And I met Ruthie the Duck Lady. Who is only famous? She's only famous in New Orleans. She's a woman who lived in the French Quarter, an old lady who was very kindly, and she had some ducks, and they would follow her around as she walked through the French Quarter. And everybody in New Orleans knows Ruthie the Duck Lady, but that doesn't mean anything to anybody else. But I thought that I would throw that in there. That's good. So if you're listening in New Orleans, you know what Ernie's talking about. That was that was like a powerhouse. Uh, session right there. You just threw down like five people off the top <laughs> of your head. You've even been beaten by Paul Prudhomme. I was not expecting that. I know. Bonked <laughs> on the head. <laughs> so that's going to do it for this episode of the Legal Toolkit. And it was Ernie the Attorney, also known as Ernie Svensson, talking to us about process management. Dude loves efficiency. Now, I'll be back on future shows with further insights into my soul, the soul of America and the legal market. If you're feeling nostalgic for my dulcet tones, however, you can check out our entire show archive anytime you want at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So thanks again to Ernie Svensson for appearing on today's show. So Ernie, Ernie the attorney, can you tell folks a bit more about where to find information about you and what you do? Well, if you Google Ernie and attorney, you'll find my Ernie the attorney website And there I have a download. See, I practice what I preach. It's a 10-page PDF that has links to all the stuff I've talked about here today, plus other things that I think are useful to lawyers who are trying to run a more efficient practice. So that's probably the best place to go. I have links to my other websites there. And then the one other thing that folks might want to do is if you're a 
a user of Facebook, which I know not everyone is, including you, Jared, if you type in Law Firm Autopilot into the groups area, you'll find a free Facebook group that I have for lawyers that we can share information with each other. A lot of questions about, you know, like what kind of practice management software am I using? Are you using? What works well for you? Because I think that's another part of the picture is getting insights from other attorneys. So those are the two things that I would encourage people to check out. And you've also got the Law Firm Autopilot Slack channel as well, right? Well, that's for folks that are in the law firm co-pilot membership, the monthly coaching program, which I don't really, I don't push people into. But if you, if you have a good experience with the other stuff and you want to apply, you know, you can apply and get in there and talk to folks outside of Facebook because Facebook is too overwhelming mm -hmm. if you put too many people in there. So we try to, you know, keep it all you know, neat and tidy and not, uh, not too gussied up. That's a, that's a bad, that's a bad metaphor. <laughs> no, I like how you put I like how you put a nice bow on this. So also folks consider working with Ernie. He is great. I've known him for years. He definitely knows what he's talking about. And now let's put a wrap on what is maybe the most boring podcast ever that talked about beads in New Orleans. <laughs> Talk to y'all next time. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join host Jared Korea for his next podcast covering the current business trends for law firms. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.